Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Ho, 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 and welcome to episode 80 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. It is Christmas Eve, and I'm here with Sam Marks. Johnny, how do you do, and where's your Santa hat? You know what? I didn't even think to invest in a Santa hat until I saw you on a video with one, and I wish I would have made that investment. Well, we should have been doing more videos earlier because I've been wearing this hat for the last two months. I've been, I brought it, I actually bought it in Chiang Mai and took it uh, to the West Coast where you are now, and then on my drive all the way across, spreading holiday cheer all across the, uh, what do you call it, the bread belt of America? <laughs> I have no idea. Why would they call it the bread belt of America? Isn't that where all the grains made? Like, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, those areas. Eh. I definitely never heard of that term. But so you were in – what's crazy is the last time we spoke, I was in Florida. You're in California. And in that week that has passed, I flew uh, to California and you drove from California to the East Coast. Yeah, it's quite a transition we've made, and uh, and I think you're heading back to Asia. I'll be in the U.S. for a little bit longer, but it's good, man. It's good to get back to the roots, have some friendly American conversations about football, old fashions, whiskey, craft beer, and uh, <laughs> whatever else everyone's talking about here. Everything good in life. And a lot of people have actually been talking about Bitcoin. So I know we had an episode on the basics of Bitcoin two episodes ago, just in Invest Like a Boss episode 78. But today we're going to be talking about something that's actually traded on the public stock exchange. Uh, If you want to look it up, the symbol is MGTI and it stands for MGT Capital Investments. And they are essentially a Bitcoin mining operation. So there's a lot of people who want to somehow get into into Bitcoin, has some exposure to it, but they don't want to deal with buying uh, actual Bitcoin. They want to mine it, but you know the idea of setting up an actual miner in your house and having crazy electricity bills and having it mm-hmm. be a one-person tiny operation just sounds ridiculous. So this is something that is you know enforced. Um, I, I'm assuming by the FEC if it's listed on the on the stock exchange. So this is going to be pretty exciting. Absolutely. So we're going to have on Steve Schaefer. He's John McAfee's partner. and He's also the president of MGTI. Super cool guy. Very dynamic. I think everyone's going to really like listening to uh, what's under the hood of what is actually North America's largest Bitcoin mining entity. So it's huge. And there's a, there's a massive economy in Bitcoin mining, all types of cryptocurrency mining, but specifically Bitcoin mining. There's a huge network and a huge economy that's just on that. And we've never actually taken a look or t- talked about mining. So this is going to be a cool episode. Yeah. So just to recap, if, if you guys aren't really familiar with what Bitcoin mining is, basically there are, I think, 21 million potential Bitcoin out there. I don't know how many they have uh, mined already, but the way that they get released is by solving complicated math problems, basically, that only you know big supercomputers can can solve. And as they are you know mined, they get harder and harder and harder, which forces the slowdown of more Bitcoin being released. And that's actually a big benefit of Bitcoin. That's why people like it, is unlike you know paper fiat currency like the US dollar 
with the euro or the Venezuelan, you know, debunked whatever <laughs> bill they have, unfortunately. Uh, the government can't just print more and magically, you know, cause a bunch of inflation and devalue money. So Bitcoin is difficult to mine and it's getting more and more difficult by the day. Literally every time someone mines one, it just becomes exponentially harder. So big companies like MGT have to invest more money in bigger um, kind of mining supercomputers to be able to even even you know break them out. So this is going to be pretty exciting because even if you're not into Bitcoin itself per se, I think just even thinking about new types of um, companies, you know, and these alternative type of investments that are going on the stock market, kind of just like what we talked about in last episode with the cannabis, you know, the cannabis rush in episode mm-hmm. 79. This is something else that you, you you can literally just log into your shop account, buy a stock, and you you're investing in essentially, you know, Bitcoin. Yep, that's exactly what I did. So full disclosure, I own MGTI stock. I bought it about a f- I think three months ago hyper volatile just like bitcoin prices but i bought it basically as a proxy to bitcoin prices as basically getting a piece of the other side of the economy and just to add on to your note about mining going back in like 2012 it was really easy to mine bitcoins like basically college kids were mining them with just their you know their crappy old uh, dell laptop and being able to mine you know several coins a day on up and now it's super hard so really the the biggest uh the biggest companies with the largest infrastructure are the only ones that can be able to to do this efficiently enough to to basically break even or or make a profit so that's what we're going to talk about with steve what's under the hood and how they're scaling their operations to be you know remain the largest bitcoin mining entity in north america and beyond i like it so let's bring on steve schaefer Welcome back, Steve. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah, buddy. Well, you guys have a really interesting thing going on. We were just catching up earlier before this episode on uh, on the crazy uh, scenario going in the cryptocurrency world right now. There's this term going around on online I see everywhere, H-O-D-L. And I think it stands <laughs> for hold on for dear life, but I've seen different different speculation on what that actually means. You have, do you have an opinion? Uh, I guess it's... It- kind of relates to some of the uh, as we call ourselves the bitcoin ogs that were around <laughs> back in the back in the day prior to uh to the mount gox situation and you know uh you know we had first we had the chinese regulation or or chinese uh crackdown on and i think it was 2012 on the exchanges over there and and coin crashed in price and then we had the, obviously the mount gox situation where we dropped from uh, i think it was 1100 down to 100 so uh those of us that held through all that volatility and turbulence, we call ourselves proudly hodlers. And, and <laughs> I can guarantee you, none of the hodlers are selling right now because Bitcoin's 11600 currently. We'll sit and ride this out because we believe in, in the, uh, the potential of it. And we believe that ultimately it's going to be worth a heck of a lot more than it is right now. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Well, I, I was holding or hodling through Mount Gox. Unfortunately, I lost three quarters of my coins <laughs> in Mount Gox, but I held the rest through that. And uh, I'm not sure if, if you've seen this, but they put out, Mount Gox put out a bankruptcy note of some sort to anyone who lost money in Mount Gox, including myself. And, uh, they they showed line items for every person's name and how many coins they lost. And I thought I was going to be relatively big fish when looking at it. And, dude, I went through every single page of that. It was about 
1,600 pages with at least 10 to 15 people on each page. So we're talking 15 to 20,000 people at least. And a lot of these people are lost like 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 coins. I'm just thinking like, wow, in today's world, they must just be, <laughs> they just have a really nauseous feeling in their stomach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for, for even for that point, I mean, it's people are buying coins, you know, for dollars, literally, and, you know, and thing mm-hmm. went to a thousand dollars and just watching it, watching them disappear. It's almost like somebody takes, took the breath out of you. And I know, I know people that were buying that we were mining at the time. I had friends of mine that were mining, but they were also buying tons of coin because they didn't want to wait for the mining programs to, to generate their positions. And, and they just got smoked. Oh man. Well, I know you're a New York guy, Stephen. You were just up at the consensus conference, right? Yes, sir. So what were you seeing there? I'll tell you, it was refreshing. And, you know, being a Wall Street guy, uh, I was the head of a multi-billion dollar hedge fund, uh, head of trading there for 11 years and uh, recently moved down to North Carolina to run MGT. Mm-hmm. Going back home, uh, I had expected to see what I see have seen at most Bitcoin conferences or cryptocurrency conferences in the past, which is predominantly, uh, you know, a population of younger kids or, or as I call them, I'm, I'm in my 50s now, so I'll call the millennials kids because <laughs> uh, I have kids in that generation. And uh, I expected to see a bunch of younger individuals with hoodies on, which is what you've generally seen, mostly tech minded guys that were, you know, really invested in developing the core technology, developing the the Bitcoin infrastructure, layer two technologies. Uh, and what I saw was the same thing I would see as if I went to the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference or you know, the Goldman Sachs Tech Conference. I saw a bunch of Wall Street professionals, investment professionals in suits. So we traded in, at least for that conference, I think we traded in the hoodies for mm. uh, Brioni suits. <laughs> it's interesting. I was in Hong Kong. I saw the exact same thing over there. It just goes back uh, about a month. And they have all these Bitcoin kiosks outside and in line. You would ha- you had a really mixed uh, demographic, but more of the the majority was nice, you know, very good looking professionals in suits, probably you know three thousand dollars shoes with a thousand dollar pair of shoes on, waiting in line at these Bitcoin exchanges. And almost everyone was buying. Everyone was buying because they had the the sell machine and the buy machine. And um, it was pretty interesting just to sit back and observe something like that because you don't get to often see that. No, I love it. I mean, I think that you know, three, four years ago, you know, I was probably one of the unpopular voices that were speaking, speaking out, saying that we needed more, more regulation to increase a broader adoption within the financial community. And you know, obviously, that didn't go over well with some of the, you know, some of the libertarians or or the uh, or even you know the, the the developer side that were trying to stand behind the full anonymity mm-hmm. of that Bitcoin offers. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, I'm more of a supply side kind of guy. And, you know, I looked at it and said, hey, in order to get this to to be embraced by the the big money, which it would take the big money that we're seeing coming into it now to really take it to the next level. I I believe that, you know, we would ultimately need to lift the Komodo somewhat and and have some more transparency. Uh, Hence, I, you know, I was happy to see. The Chinese exchanges uh, requiring some KYC AML uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, obviously the you know the the futures markets uh, coming through. So I, I think these are all good things. I think we need a balance of the brilliant technology minds that are behind the technology yeah. uh, with 
the financial community that ultimately it's going to take it's going to take a boatload of money to develop this to what we all want to see it be, which will be uh, a ubiquitous payment system or, or something that has a, a store of value similar to that of gold. And it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of a lot of adoption to get there. Right. I, I was trying to get a graph or a chart of where all the trading volume is coming from, not necessarily in which currency, because I think there's there's readily available data on that. But I was trying to figure out where the actual volume was coming in terms of uh, geography and per country. And I couldn't find any specific data on that that looked meaningful. Do you, do you guys have any type of information on where the geographic gold demand is coming from? Internally, we don't we don't do that type of research. Mm-hmm. As being miners, we're, we're pretty much focused on our own our own operations. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I, I frequently speak to people within the community that are very influential and you know kind of in the know on things. And mm-hmm. and just speaking to some of my partners out in China, uh, I could tell you that the volume that for, according to what I'm hearing from Asia. The, the big volume increase, obviously, as everybody's been speaking about, has been Japan over the last six months. Mm-hmm. And now South Korea. I mean, as you were saying, the same thing. You can't you you can't walk up to an ATM or a Bitcoin ATM in South Korea. You're going to walk up and wait for an hour, two mm-hmm. hours to be able to, to get a coin. So I, I think, you know, we've seen a big increase from at least at least anecdotally. I could say that we've seen a big increase South Korea, Japan. Uh, as well as India, India's had a, had a, a massive uh, increase in mm. in demand as well. Um, and obviously, there's been some some speculation about possibly some of the African nations, but uh, I don't have anything spe- you know anything I could say firsthand you know that right. I've heard or seen there. So, I, full disclosure, I bought MGT uh, we can call it MGTI stock uh, a few months ago, and I was trying. I was originally thinking I did it kind of as a proxy to buying cryptocurrencies and trading cryptocurrencies. And originally I was thinking, well, it'll probably just follow the price of Bitcoin or a few of the top coins, but it doesn't seem to really do that. Do you guys see any correlation in the in the price? I, I assume it's a lot of other variables. Uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting because for a while, up until about a month or two ago, when when the coin started to go parabolic at some point, mm-hmm. we actually had a pretty tight correlation to the BTC price or the XBT price, yeah, and I'm speaking as we appreciate it from you know 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 when there was an orderly inflation to the underlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and you know if uh, if anybody wants, they should follow me at uh, Solo Trading Inc. That's my Twitter. Uh, I don't do social media other than Twitter, but on there I had posted numerous times some charts from my Bloomberg terminal that showed a tight correlation between. Bitcoin as and the MGTI stock price. Mm-hmm. That correlation broke down as Bitcoin went parabolic, which you know you wonder where's the what's the cart and what's the horse. Right. Maybe 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 Bitcoin just got ahead of itself, uh-huh. or you know did MGT lag? Did you know even GBTC? There was still a, a you know which obviously is the Bitcoin trust that that had a tight correlation, and even to some point that started to you know. Lose the lose the tight coupling. So I think you know I think now with uh, today's market correction, I think it's fair to call this a a significant correction. What we've experienced in the last 24 hours in the marketplace, uh, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, you know we perhaps we might start seeing on the rebound, we might start seeing a correlation reappear uh-huh. between MGTI and, and GBTC as well as XBT. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Well, you guys, your stock had a significant pop the last week. It's, it went up to almost seven or so. I think it's settling right now around five, but definitely with the crypto prices, big H O D L all caps. I would say <laughs> it could say it's quite a ride going into Christmas. And just want to chat about, you know, mining because we've actually never done an episode discussing the mining aspect of cryptocurrency. I wonder if you could just shed a little light on what it looks like inside a Bitcoin mining operation. I think you guys are now the largest Bitcoin mining operation in North America. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we like to call ourselves. Uh, yeah, I would. I usually kind of qualify it as largest independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, I mean, uh, there are operations that might have more machines internally within them, uh, but I think as individual owned or proprietarily owned, safe to say that we're we're the largest. I think in in North America, uh, certainly in the United States. Uh, I, I think the. Uh, the the reason the stock ran up to, uh, to as you said, ran towards eight bucks recently. Um, I think that was a lot of excitement around our announcement where we expanded into Scandinavia. So our first location that we're going to be mining will be uh, in north of Sweden. Uh, we'll have that operation uh, up and running starting January eighth. We're actually starting our deployment. Uh, we'll be putting f- uh, 4,200 machines will be deployed within that location wow. between January and February. So those will be additional machines. So I think that that's the, uh, you know, that was probably the excitement around it. People mm-hmm. looking forward to the revenue and earnings. And, you know, from, from a mining perspective, you know, I've been in a lot of businesses. You know, I, I never understood the the logic when you hear people say there's no money in mining. Mm-hmm. I, I never understood that. I've been doing this. You know, since 2012, I've been in that, a very active uh, a miner of at least at a, at a at a at a decent scale, if you know, if not a large scale. And I've consistently generated, you know, excellent returns. And uh, you know, certainly, certainly in 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 the 10% cash on cash for any dollars invested on a monthly basis. So, if you have a business and you're doing 120%, 150% a year profit. Yeah, I think that's a heck of a business, and uh, you know, right now, even with even with an eleven thousand six hundred Bitcoin price today, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you we're making over ten percent cash on cash return at this level. So it's 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 a capital intensive business when you mm-hmm. do it at scale. Uh, you know, we recently just raised eight million dollars equity. Uh, that you know, that it takes a lot of money to build to build out a, a, a mining farms of you know where to the scale where we are and where we're going to go. Yeah. Um, you know, we we've we've come out and said that, you know, we expect to we expect to bring ourselves to to, uh, you know, to some pretty significant numbers over 2018. And that ca- it's very capital intensive, very labor intensive, but uh, it's very fruitful as well. And what's the the purpose of going into Scandinavia is it to get uh, more efficient machines be- because of either energy and or uh, climate? Uh, two things, a combination of both. So it's it's really. It's really a function of availability of power. You know, there's been quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of pr- a press uh, over the last few months on uh, discussing how much power that mining is using on, you know, on Earth. And uh, what we've found is we've primarily been in Central Washington. Uh, we've looked into other U.S. locations, mm-hmm. and the power in within the states at a price that would make sense to mine is pretty limited. It's mm-hmm. not abundant as, as people would think. It's 
it's it's it's been taken up by the large data centers, you know, the 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 AWSs and the Microsofts and mm. Yahoos of of the world, you know, the cloud as we call it. So right. you know, there's one county which where we have some of our mining operations in Washington. You know, Microsoft has three gigawatts of <laughs> of cloud out there. So you know, it's there's just so much a power available, you know, on these hydroelectric plants, which frankly, you know, we prefer to to be at a hydroelectric locations for two reasons. One, obviously the price is, is very, very cost effective mm-hmm. uh, as well as it's also, we look at it as it's, I don't want to say it's green mining, but it certainly is a form of renewable energy. So we feel that it, the carbon footprint that we're creating with our operations would at least be minimized by using a renewable source of energy such as hydro. Nice. That's great. And what about uh, the different coins? Do you guys focus only on Bitcoin at this moment, or do you are you mining other things, and do you have plans in the future to mine additional coins? We have um, a small program of Ethereum. We just announced about three, four months ago that we were creating a small Ethereum program. Uh, we're primarily Bitcoin miners. That's what we do. I think we do it better than anyone else. Uh, we have a, a tremendous relationship with, with Bitmain. Uh, Jihan Wu is a personal friend of mine. Uh, the whole institutional sales team are personal friends of mine i was in china with them uh, for 10 days they were gracious uh, to entertain me and mm-hmm. you know we had a great time together so i le- at mgt we leveraged that relationship to really dig down and support the s9 or or the bitcoin the bitmain hardware that we use and that's primarily what we do the the ethereum program uh we we Bought 50 units uh, to, to build 250, 230, I think the 235 mega hash units. Those units will be going into service as well in January. And it was more of just an exploratory uh, type of thing. And mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we mine for profit. You know, there we don't hide that fact. You know, we're not doing this for charity. We're a publicly traded company. Rob Ladd, the CEO, and myself, we're very cognizant that we we have to mine and we have to create profit we have to create cash flow and all of that will be returned to shareholders in a form of equity value and so we work for the shareholders so when we're mining we'll, we will mine whatever makes the most profit uh, on a on a steady ongoing basis uh, even as far as some of the recent gyrations between Bitcoin cash and Bitcoin mm. we stayed Bitcoin the whole time you know there were individual days where you probably wanted to mine bitcoin cash we did not do that we stayed on that path and i could tell you over a one two week period as the edges smoothed out bitcoin stayed the most profitable uh, crypto to be mining uh aside from some of them obviously some of the altcoins but that that we that's something that we're not going into we have no intentions on going into some of the smaller altcoins uh we're bitcoin guys and we're we're going to be Bitcoin guys three years from now, so uh, that's where our focus is. Nice, nice. Well, what about the uh, how many coins can you guys actually mine? Can, can you mine a Bitcoin every single you know every single day or multiple coins every single day with the size of your infrastructure right now? Yeah. So the current size, we're we're we're, we're certainly generating multiple coins a day. Uh, you know, right now we did have some some uh, some uh, deployment delays, which we announced at our annual shareholder meeting. Uh, which were out of our control, really. I'll blame it on on Hurricane Maria. Uh, we had had we had, had a, a location that was supposed to come up on December first, mm. and the local PUD had to delay the delivery to Transformers because FEMA grabbed all the Transformers and shipped them to Puerto Rico. Oh, jeez. So yeah, there's wow. you know ten, 
Yeah, so about 10, you know, they have to rebuild about 10 gigawatts of electrical infrastructure down on the island. So FEMA got first call on all the transformers within the states, and uh, hence the Bitcoin miners, and, uh, you know, kind of got, <laughs> we got the dirty end of that stick. And, it's the uh, Bitcoin the P- miners versus FEMA on that one. Yeah, exactly. So the PUD said we were going to be, you know, d- delayed a little bit, and uh, so that's what was our impetus to to just say, hey, let's ship whatever miners we had in, in the states that weren't that weren't in in service at the moment. Let's ship them in addition to our new stock that's coming in. Let's send everything out to our location in Sweden. We have uh, a great hosting partner out there. It's uh, they're you know they're gentlemen that are actually Amer- U.S. based guys that went out to Sweden. Uh, they'll also be expanding to Finland and 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 possibly Norway. That's why I always say Scandinavia, because three months from now, I could be somewhere in, in Helsinki mining. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I was going to ask, are you going to have the, the opportunity? I mean, January would be a hell of a time to go to Helsinki, see the northern lights and freeze your ass off. Yeah, well, I, I just, uh, you know, we, 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 we got a reality check uh, two weeks ago. We were in, we were in uh, northern Sweden. So, you know, uh, yeah, without giving away the exact location of, of where it is. I'll let it suffice to say that, you know, we flew into Stockholm and then had to travel 500 miles north of Stockholm. (laughs) (laughs) So it was negative, negative 27 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, It was snowing every day, five, six, seven inches of snow fell consistently. It was definitely a a cool experience. But as you were saying before, it's also an awesome environment for mining. Mm. My P, my PUE which is my power utilization efficient, which takes into account how much power it takes to run a hardware as well as cool the hardware is pretty much a 1.0 because my cooling costs are going to be, you know, maybe we might have to turn a, a fan on, a circulatory fan on in the location, maybe in July or August for, you know, when it's their hot days and it's 55 degrees. So <sighs> generally, at this time, at this time, for at least for probably the five or six colder months, uh, we actually try to contain the heat within the facility to keep the facilities one habitable, so that they're not too cold for human mm. uh, inhabitation, and also two, the hardware itself has a, an optimum temperature range, and those ASIC chips, you know, really don't like thirty below zero. Yeah. Uh, what do you do when uh, you actually mine a coin from a security and also a business standpoint? You, I would imagine you store them someplace securely and then are you converting them into cash and fiat or you, you hold up the bitcoins for the longer term? Yeah, it's a great question. So MGT or MGTI, our, our stock symbol, we've literally, we were the first publicly traded miner. Um, all those, a bunch of you know, posers that are jumping on board and changing their name to blockchain and yeah. and and mining and everything else, and you know, trying to wake their stocks up and pump and dump their stocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we've created the gap accounting policies. It's literally, our accountants have done an amazing job at being able to audit our financials. You know, we're we're also you know Sawbane's Oxley compliant, so we have the highest level of of you know financial reporting that any public company can have. Uh, and getting this business audited and those numbers certified and doing it in a, you know in a in a Sawbanes Oxley gap compliant way you know has it was a, it's, it's been a challenge you know and with our auditors really working with us and our accountants working closely we've now created the pathway that other companies can follow on how it's done so what 
without getting too much into a, you know into a uh, advanced accounting, I'll just say that what we've done up to now, and this will change as of January first. We announced this at our annual shareholders meeting uh, on the nineteenth of December. We have up to now monetized all our coins on a weekly basis, meaning generally, usually it's Friday morning. Whatever coins we mine from the prior seven days, uh, we we, you know, we send them from our wallet to our broker, who our market maker, who sells them into the marketplace, and we monetize them on a weekly basis. So hence, we would carry no no inventory of coins, but we announced at our shareholder meeting that we were going to uh, explore potential uh, to retain some of the coins and sequester a certain percentage, mm. uh, which that's what we will be doing as of January 1st. Uh, our plan is to sequester you know, somewhere. Or we haven't made an official announcement, but I think it's going to be about 10% of the coins that we mine uh, will sequester them, and obviously those coins will be will be stored, you know, on a hard wallet or in some some cold storage. It's being that those will be uh, coins that we're not selling, and we're going to be holding for a long time. Yeah, I think Overstock is doing something similar where they're converting maybe half into cash and holding half uh, longer term. It'll be interesting how how the model advances in in that degree. And you, you mentioned you guys use a broker when you push the the coins out onto the market is that to is that to get a better price versus just using some type of uh, you know popular exchange? Yeah, I mean we use uh, broker. We use two reasons. One, being a public company, everything we do needs to be you know fully reported, transparent. Mm. So we actually use a, a Finra registered broker dealer. So the meaning that broker dealer is over has oversight from Finra, which which regulates all broker dealers. So I know that on on our side we could sleep at night knowing that that we're going to have we're dealing with a reputable firm uh, that you know when we sell our coins and we expect our wire to come in in, in two three hours it's going to come in they're they're a legit firm they're not we're not worrying about an exchange getting hacked or an exchange not selling us our uh, sending us our money when our fiat once we convert it and we sell it mm. so uh, in the case of the you know, the broker dealer which we use. You know, it's uh, it, it's been a, a great experience, and uh, you know, it's been actually very nice considering coming from a Wall Street background, where we've essentially built a a T plus three type of settlement where you you would do your trade and wait three days for your for your your funds to come in from that trade, mm-hmm. which now it's T plus two, but it's been T plus three historically. You know, we're dealing in Bitcoin, and this is why I think Wall Street is rushing into Bitcoin and the blockchain technologies is they see that opportunity to, to execute on a T plus zero type basis. And that efficiency increase could, could mean a tremendous amount of, you know, of additional, you know, revenue for, for some of the banks and uh, how they clear their products. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, you have an extremely impressive background in finance and, and Wall Street, which we didn't have an opportunity to get into on this episode, but being, you know, connected to Wall Street and, and having had that experience, you know, what do you think the, the banks, the major banks play will be in cryptocurrencies longer term? Do you think they'll try to adopt, invest or get involved in some other way? All of the above. I think they, you know, they're already investing, whether, you know, Jamie Dimon wants to admit it or any other CEO wants to admit it there. Most of the banks have made significant investments in startups. Almost every major bank, every major bank has a trading desk at this point 
or is building one. Um, Goldman Sachs announced yesterday that they'll be creating a, a primary trading desk for Bitcoin. The, obviously, the futures markets uh, opening open up the uh, hedge ability for those desks. So mm-hmm. I see this becoming um, an opportunity for it, it, you know, as equities, the dollars that banks are making from trading over the last three, four, five years, certainly since the since the banking crisis, has got has gone down significantly. So I think the bigger banks are going to see that opportunity to generate a new verticals and new revenue streams mm. to enhance their earnings, and they'll see cryptos as that opportunity. And you know, they might not embrace the underlying crypto. But I could tell you, I could tell you, I speak to the, I was a head of a trading desk at a multi-billion dollar fund. I speak to trading, heads of trading desks all the time. They're my friends. They've been my friends for decades. And I could tell you, these guys are trying to figure out how do we make money in it? They don't have an understanding of the underlier. They don't understand the, the philosophical meanings for some of these cryptocurrencies existence, but they do see the economic incentive to, to trade them, to, uh, to, to be able to offer them out to their retail client base. And I think that's the, that's the real inflection point when it comes to wall street. you know, right now a bank can trade it. Mm. I guess in maybe in a year, if you have an account at Goldman Sachs, if you're, you're, you're lucky enough, wealthy enough to have an account at Goldman Sachs, you might be able to call your client up, uh, your broker up, I'm sorry, and, and say, hey, I want to buy X amount of dollars of Bitcoin, and they'll go buy it on, on one of the exchanges. What's going to happen at some point, there's going to be solicitation approval, uh, which in, in, in Wall Street terms, that means that the broker can call you up as a client and say, hey, I'd like to buy you a share of Apple or I'd like to uh-huh. buy you a 10-year bond. Well, they'll also be able to solicit you the opportunity to invest in Bitcoin, Bitcoin futures or, or, or any cryptocurrency that might be offered on their desk. Sounds like the Wolf of Wall Street part two. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully the – I mean I think it's clear that you know, the, the SEC and, and the financial oversight – organizations have learned a lot since the mid 90s when mm. you know when sh- the wolf of wall street and stratton oakmont which you know that's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation when i hear jordan belfort bashing bitcoin I saying know. it's a scam <laughs> you know, oh man i just want to slap the guy yeah I, I mean i look at the tv and i'm like really dude i'm like come on you know you you literally rob people you rob them blindly and now you're going to come on on tv and say bitcoin is is a scam it's a mm-hmm. fraud we all, it, all i know is somebody can open up a, an account any, any whether it be coinbase or, or wherever and open up an account they could fund their account they go buy a bitcoin well guess what the bitcoin gets in their wallet how mm-hmm. is that a scam you're getting what you pay for yeah. you know in the case of what he did you know he sold you a stock that at 20 bucks that you know had had 10 cents of value at best. So it's yeah. a, that's a whole nother thing. Well, Steve, just a few questions to wrap up. I mean, first thing is I just look at what you guys are doing. You've built this incredibly, you know, impressive tech infrastructure that is now going to be global. And right now it's, it's mining bitcoins. Is there the potential to leverage this infrastructure for other products or other power sources to, you know, continue to build MGTI? Absolutely. You know, as uh, as I've said many times, we will be Bitcoin mining certainly through the next having uh, three, you know, three, four years from now. We'll be out there. We'll be Bitcoin mining because I think it's going to be tremendously profitable for for the company. And ultimately that that delivers value for the shareholders. 
but it, when asked, even at the shareholder meeting, when asked, where, you know, what do you think we'll be mining in, in 10 years? My answer was, I have zero idea. To, I don't know how to answer that because yeah. I believe there's going to be so many of these layer two technologies and these, you know, whether it be side chains, private blockchains, there's going to come along a lot of opportunity for those of us who've built this massive infrastructure uh, to offer to, to you know, it, perhaps Amazon Web Services decides they want to go into, you know, in, into the blockchain space. Well, does it does it make sense for them to build it and wait the time it takes for the hardware to be manufactured? Or does it make sense for them to come along and and buy uh, an MGT who's sitting there with, you know, a few hundred petahash, you know, at the time, hopefully, and and say, hey, we, uh, we want to acquire your infrastructure, your expertise and offer that to our client base. So I think that I think that those opportunities are going to absolutely surface in a couple of years. And I think what we've done with Bitcoin is we've certainly proved the value of a blockchain. And now what blockchain or what process, where our processing power is going to go in the future, you know, I think that'll, that'll kind of reveal itself as we move forward. Very curious onlooker right here, as well as a lot of the listeners. And one just final question is, you know, how did you and Mr. John McAfee initially get introduced and how is he involved in the company? Well, John is our cybersecurity visionary. Um, initially, we had proposed for John to come in, be the CEO and fully embrace the fully embrace that role. Um, it, it became a painfully clear to us that Wall Street uh, didn't like some of John's philosophical beliefs and uh you know, look, I think everybody knows John's a pretty polarizing figure and uh, controversial in a lot of ways. Um, however, you know, John's uh, very well respected as well. So, yeah. you know, with that being said, you know, it became painfully obvious when the, the when New York Stock Exchange delisted us uh, that, you know, they felt that you know, John might not be the type of CEO that they would want. So John was gracious enough to say, hey, guys, I don't want to hold this, hold the company back. I don't mm-hmm. want to hurt the shareholders. Um, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So John, as of August 15th, is our, took a position as our cybersecurity visionary. Uh, he's fully uh, active in the development of some of the cybersecurity products in our, you know, within our cybersecurity division that MGTI operates. Mm-hmm. And on the crypto side, he's, he's left the, you know, he's given me the, the, the keys to the castle and, and said, you know, Steve, go build it. You know, this is what you do. And, you know, I, I was the one that, that had conceptualized putting the mining business into MGT and being the first publicly traded miner. So I was very, very happy and proud to have that ability to, to really go drive this and, and make this what I f- believe it could fully be, which, as I said, I, I, think, uh, I think we were first to market. And although there are a lot of others that are that are going to come along and, and, and have announced plans to do this, um, I know some of the barriers to entry. You know, we I also know the I also know what it takes to operate these facilities on the highest level. And that's where, uh, you know, that's exactly where, uh, where I think we'll be. I think we'll be at the top as as the preeminent miner. You know, certainly that, that's going to be trading on a U.S. market. Well, we'll still hold out for John's 2020 presidential run. Hopefully he'll give it another crack. Uh, but Steve, congrats on, on all the success that you guys have had so far and, and what you guys have put together. It's great. I'm um, again, disclosure. I'm a shareholder, but it's great to hear about what your guys 
doing currently, what the plans are, and very exciting to continue to watch, uh, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrencies evolve and see how it all plays out. So just want to thank you again for coming on the show and sharing, uh, sharing your time and, uh, wisdom with us. And, and we're looking forward to releasing this with the listeners. Great, Sam. I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to, uh, to the next time we could do it. And all the listeners out there will leave links to MGTI's uh, ticker symbol and financial information. If you want to take a look, check out the show notes and we'll catch you all as all next week. Take care. Bitcoin mining cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> so I actually had no idea that you had invested in MGTI at all. And, and I actually never even heard of them until – we we did this episode. I did it uh two or three months ago when I when I heard John McAfee was in it, and I was like, wow, you know, I, I saw some of the interviews of him talking about it, and I was already heavily invested in Bitcoin, so I was like, well, I, I'm not, I, I still want to get involved in cryptocurrencies, but maybe let's not speculate just on price. Let's try to go some to something that's actually operational, and um, it's been an interesting ride. I bought in at two sixty, it went down to I think one. 30 then it shot up but we're talking about it in boss lounge just like last week it went up to almost eight there's a big anyone wants to check it out there's a big dialogue in in the boss lounge where we're talking about the stock some other people had some really good insights on the company but i think it's cool it's fun it's fun to be a part of a company john mcafee's in involved in and also you know steve schaefer and his his uh, leadership team seem awesome so it's it's cool to be part of it yeah it's definitely exciting and to be honest immediately after the interview was done in my mind, I had already decided I'm, I'm just going to buy into this. Instead of buying Bitcoin, I'm just going to invest into the mining side of it. And what's actually crazy is I met a guy who set up his own small mining operation in his office. I think he has a pretty big office that is somehow it, the electricity is included in his, his rent. <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically just mining with free electricity. And, uh. you know, he's loving it because, you know, every – few days he gets you know part of a bitcoin and he's like this is free money that's fun and i really like how mgt is setting up you know sustainable you know renewable energy sources or at least you know taking advantage of that in places like scandinavia because it it does seem like such a waste of electricity just to have these massive computers running and just you know like soaking things up for for really no reason yeah there's a there's a lot of I don't know, like they're trying to quantify how much energy is being used right now in in the mining network of cryptocurrencies. And there's some really far out projections on where it can be by 2020. I don't think anyone's confirmed any of these stats precisely because it's really hard to track globally. But I think they say by 2020, the if if it continues as it is, the mining, the energy to mine all these, the network and the the ecosystem of cryptocurrencies will be greater than 150 countries combined. All all energy consumption, 150 countries combined, which is pretty insane. Yeah, that that is insane. Well, you know, maybe whoever the genius mastermind behind Bitcoin, which is still a mystery, had an idea that to, to basically monetize a way where people were forced to use renewable energy or or find a, a cheaper, you know, f- maybe even a free energy source because eventually it'll be profitable to do so. And it won't be profitable to mine using fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So who knows, you know, and all leads it, into it, my speculation that is Elon Musk. He wants the world be. to use more <laughs> renewable solar city <laughs> Tesla, right? I, my case for Elon as 
continuously built up for the last five years. And uh, I don't think it's any stronger today. If you ever listen to Elon talk about Bitcoin, he sounds like he's totally an idiot and doesn't know what like cryptocurrencies even are. The guy knows everything, like has every pit of knowledge in his head to understand cryptocurrencies down to its absolute fundamental core. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's, he's smart enough to be able to understand uh, <laughs> Bitcoin and crypto more than we do. Yeah. Um, but speaking of which, I was, you know, just hanging out and here in L.A., and literally every single person I met was talking about Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. regardless, it was my barber, it was you know the person in the supermarket or the, the the waitress at the strip club. Everyone was talking about Bitcoin. And to me, it just reminds me of 2007 when I was here and everybody was talking about investing in real estate right before the big boom. Mm. And that scares me. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of cases for a bubble and there's also a lot of cases that this will just continue to grow beyond anyone's imagination just because of the the network effect. I think it's Metcalf's law talks about the network effect. What'll be really interesting, we're sitting here on the twenty fourth of December, it's Christmas Eve, and if everyone remembers Thanksgiving, there was a boom in Bitcoin and there was a boom in cryptocurrencies and there was and this was all led but because of all the people going home for Thanksgiving, showing their parents how to set up Coinbase accounts and getting started. And how many accounts are we going to see Coinbase today, tomorrow, through the new year? It's going to be, it's got to be probably a factor of five compared to Thanksgiving. So you're going to have a ton of more people getting into the space now. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. You're, you're right. Because especially the people that set up on Thanksgiving, they've now just made like 25% of their money or mm-hmm. something insane. Mm-hmm. And the other, you know, the other of the relatives who didn't set up last time are now going to say, well, now I want, you know, I want in as well. So I can definitely see that going up. Yeah. I was thinking about selling some, a, a little bit of Bitcoin a few days ago when it was like the big pullback just to be safe. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give it through the new year because I, I predict there'll be a huge pop in the next few days, uh, just because, just on that, but it'll be fun to pay attention and see. Well, I'm looking at the, the charts right now. So I'm writing like what? November 27th or so was was uh, Thanksgiving and it was it was under 10,000 at that time. I think it may have been like the 23rd was Thanksgiving. I think it was earlier yeah. this year. Wow, okay. So on yeah, it was it was like right around 10,000 and mm-hmm. then it jumped up to almost 20 and now it's back down a little bit to about 14. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how that's going to spike. And you know what's, what's actually really interesting about Bitcoin is it's one of the few things that maybe we could talk about in you know in episode live and by the time someone actually downloads it because i know a lot of you guys are catching up on on older episodes yeah you might be like what are you guys talking about it's either you know it's at two thousand now or it's at two hundred thousand now and it can it really can jump that much so outdated if you listen to all of our bitcoin episodes you're gonna especially if you start on number one you're gonna be like wow these guys don't know what they're talking about like bitcoin's gonna soar that this is the first episode we did i think it was like at a thousand or something yeah i guess the good thing about it is because the 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 core concepts behind it are still legitimate you can kind of just see you know how the price changed even though the actual core concepts you know, are are still you know pretty much exactly what people believe in today. Mm-hmm. So, if you guys listen to the old episodes, you know, you know, don't think the the actual information is outdated because it's it's probably the you know the fundamentals of what we talked about is still hold true and probably still will five or ten years from now. Just the price has been so insane that you know when you hear just a number, you know, you might think it's you know we're nuts, you mm-hmm. know, one way or the other, but 
you know, this is what we've been talking about from day one and that it's, it's we have no idea where it's going to be. Yeah, no idea. And look how mainstream it is. You're talking about everyone, even at the, uh, the strip club talking about Bitcoin. I got my neighbors here in South Carolina. They're 85 years old and they're talking about it. And just, you know, not too long ago, nobody knew what it was. Uh, we talked earlier on this before we got on the, the call, Johnny, about my buddy he started he had one of the biggest bitcoin exchanges in the world back in 2004 this is after mount gox it was called coin mx and he thought coins would be considered a collectible so he never ended up getting a money transmitting license and uh, he ended up getting shut down and charged unfortunately got to go to jail spent a few years in jail super good guy but it's one of those things like if that happened now it may be different because it's so mainstream now it's looked on as differently now than it was three, four years ago. It was super gray. I know there's some still some gray areas with it, but now with everyone talking about it, it's just a, it's a different ball game. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I keep I keep going on one side like it's it's definitely here to stay. It's going to be the biggest thing ever. And then I have like there's these pullbacks. I'm like, hmm, let me rethink about that. How how does this stuff work fundamentally? Yeah. So I. I, I get you know I'm actually taking a look at BitcoinMagazine.com right now and, and they're actually talking about Coin.mx. Um, so I, I guess it's pretty public news, so we can talk about it. Yeah. But I haven't met Anthony, but at the same time, you know, putting myself in in his shoes, there wasn't a, a legal way to to buy and sell Bitcoin back then. Everything mm-hmm. was in the gray area. So you know, if it was me, I would have you know also been like, well, like there's there's no way to actually do it. Putting it as a collectibles club is really the only, you know, the only possible thing. And, you know, I don't think it's his fault that he was in that gray area because it was just bad timing. So hopefully with all the people that are following Bitcoin, all the enthusiasts, all the people that want to make it, you know, mainstream are going to you know, team up and try to get his sentence reduced or even or even expunged. Because mm-hmm. it, it, if that happened, like if he started that same company today – there's no way he would be going to prison. There's too much. There's too many people using Bitcoin, and there's too much of a need for exchanges. Yeah, I think it was unfortunate that it was actually the his success that was his was the ultimate demise. Because if he wasn't successful, he would just been another one of the ten thousand other ones that have gotten into the Bitcoin game early on without the the proper licensing certifications, and he wouldn't have been, he would have been under the radar. But because he was successful and probably the fastest growing exchange. It led to a lot of eyeballs and, and unfortunately, federal indictment. All right. Well, let me ask you this, Sam. How much MGT did you actually buy? I mean, and, and you don't have to tell me a specific number, but why, why I'm asking is why, like, what made you buy the stock over just buying another coin itself or buying another five coins itself? Well, I didn't buy a whole lot. I bought $8,000 worth of shares at 2.6. So at the time, let's say that was the equivalent of one Bitcoin. But I haven't. So I bought Bitcoin in 2013. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe was it 2012? Anyways, it was early on. It was it was when Bitcoin was at like 200 or, or below. But I haven't bought anything since. And the only reason I never bought anything since was because I lost like, you know, 70 or 80% of my coins in Mt. Gox. So I had that big slap in the face stain. Then I never, I could never get over. I could never force myself to buy more as I, you know, I didn't know how to hold it properly and I didn't know what the future was going to be. But I still had enough coin that like if it became 10,000 a coin, it was still going to be meaningful enough, right? So I do, I believe in cryptocurrencies. I believe in the blockchain, but I'm more interested now in investing in companies that are focusing on blockchain innovations, uh, decentralization, distributed networks. 
things of that nature versus actually speculating on a coin. I think Simon Black put out an interesting article the other day that said, you know, of all these game sh- shifting technologies that come through, it's never the, the price speculators that get really, really wealthy. It's the people that innovate on that technology and create useful services and products around that. Uh, so I was just thinking about it. I'm like, you know, everyone in their, everyone in their parents' basements making money right now speculate on cryptocurrencies. And some people are going to make very meaningful money. Some people are getting, you know, generationally wealthy. But I, I think right now I'm very excited about the future of cryptocurrencies, blockchain, distributed networks. But I'm no longer going to invest in speculating on which coin is going to be the most popular. I would much rather try to find innovative companies, whether it's private equity or public public stocks, that are are focusing on this stuff and get behind them and try to you know try to be part of of a big big new product service and that's that's disruptive in you know in the finance category. No, that makes a lot of sense, Ben. And to be honest, that's the reason why I wanted to invest as well. And without even thinking about it or looking too much into it. I just logged into my Charles Shop account to buy some shares of MGTI, and what scared scared me off was seeing how volatile it was. And mm-hmm. I guess I should have assumed it would be because it's tied to to Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but that really scared me off. I'm thinking like this, you know, these are insane jumps up and down, and now I'm like I'm like okay, I have no idea when to get in, and you know how long I should hold it for, and I thought you know what. This is this reminds me of the reason why I didn't buy, you know, I don't invest in individual stocks. It's mm-hmm. because, you know, even if I just put a small amount in, even if I just put, let's say, if I put like a thousand dollars in, you know, it might not even be really worth my time, but it'll be a huge mental drain on my energy just watching it go up and down all the time. <laughs> well, that's like rule number one that we've learned through this yeah. podcast is just don't don't do that, right? Untie the emotions. I think they have a really bright future because once they have this infrastructure set up, it's like, it's like Amazon, you know, AWS, right? Once you have the amp that set up, you know, Bitcoin might not be the hot thing in two years and a cryptocurrency might not be the hot thing. But once they have this really large network and infrastructure of machines and also all the, the industry connections and network that they're going to be building through this, they can use that and leverage that energy and that efficiency to do lots of, of really interesting things. McAfee's a smart guy. You know, he's, he is, I think Microsoft was going to hire him for, you know, for CEO. He was running for president. Like he's a super smart guy when it comes to with, you know, cybersecurity and innovations in the space. You know, he's, he's still top of the category. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do once he's able to leverage this, this network and move it in different directions. Okay. Well, I think uh, just like McAfee's personality and Bitcoin prices, it's it's like just a, a big dice roll where it can do amazing things or it can uh, say and, and do ama- you know crazy things on air. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. I I actually I wanted to have an answer for this episode because I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people you know listen to this want to know what both Sam and I are gonna do with our money. For me. I'm going to look into it more. I think that's my, my answer. I'm not going to buy any more Bitcoin at this time either just because it's it's too crazy for me. But I do want to be in uh, with some exposure. So I'm buying more Ether okay. because to me, it's it's one of those things where I actually see a lot of use for it. And even though it doesn't get as much mentioned in the media, I feel like it, you know, it's, it's still growing at an yeah. insane amount. Mm-hmm. And there's really only one ether right now um, that people are using instead of you know 
Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, and one of those is definitely going to get phased out. I don't know which one it's going to be. So that's my my stance for today, which will you know may change in a month. So yeah, definitely. Sure. You know, let us know. Um, well, just keep tabs in the Boss Lounge. If you guys haven't joined yet, just go to investlikeaboss.com, click on bonus, and you can join the Boss Lounge there. This is where we, you know, basically talk about what we are personally doing. And also, all you listeners can talk about what you guys are investing in, what you're selling, when you're selling, when you're buying, and get more information about really anything we talk about. That's right, guys. Well, appreciate Steve coming on the show, talking about MGTI. Everyone out there, have a very Merry Christmas. Johnny will be back on air with me probably just after the first of the year. We'll have our New Year's resolution goals updates episode and uh, looking forward to sharing more then, guys. So have a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Love our boss listeners and uh, Johnny. Yeah, definitely. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year by the time you guys hear this. And if you have any friends or family members your hairdressers or your private dancers that want to know more about investing in Bitcoin, send them a link to Invest Like a Boss episode 78. It's called Bitcoin 101, How to Invest in Cryptocurrency. And that is where Sam and I break down everything that we've learned in the last, you know, what, three, four, five years now mm-hmm. about Bitcoin investing. And, you know, we've had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of top experts in the cryptocurrency world, as well as having a lot of friends uh, who you know, have invested a lot of their own money, both won and lost a lot of money. So it's going to be a very balanced episode. If you haven't heard it, it's episode 78. Please share it with your friends. And if you'd like this episode, if you'd like this podcast, leave a review on the iTunes store or wherever you listen, because that helps other people find it as well. See you guys in 2018. Ho, ho, ho. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week. Aquí estamos preguntando sobre supersticiones financieras. Bueno, en mi familia decían, si te pica la mano, no te la rasques porque viene dinero. Pero si quieres controlar tu presupuesto, hay una manera mucho más práctica. ¿En serio? Con el plan Precio Personal de State Farm, puedes crear un precio accesible solo para ti. Y sin aguantar picazón, me gusta. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Llama para obtener una cotización hoy. Los precios varían según el estado. La elegibilidad para la selección de cobertura podría variar.